1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. This is Leaf's morning take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now
0: we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rose Hill.
1: 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leaf's talk starts now. Can somebody say TGIF, happy Friday. Can you believe it? we're one week away from the March 3rd NHL trade deadline presented by PointsBet Canada? It's the Friday edition of Leafs Morning Take. As you can see, Nick Alberga flying solo on this Friday. Jay Hill's at his firefighting job. But don't fret. Another amazing installment of Three Hits with Rosie is coming up in about five minutes from now. And as per usual, as I always like to slate, I haven't watched it back. I, I love to be genuine about it. I like to watch it in real time and react. Uh, So that's coming up in five minutes from now. And for any of you who have seen the installments of Three Hits with Rosie, you just never know what to expect from Jay Rosehill. So looking forward to that in about five for now. And, and, you know, in in general, it's a busy schedule ahead for the Maple Leafs. They got the wild tonight. Then on to Seattle on Sunday to start uh, a five-game Western road trip, which should be a lot of fun uh, going out in Alberta. and. And, out west. Uh, and that's always a lovely road trip when it comes to the contingent of Leafs fans on the road. You thought Buffalo was something. Just wait for some of those games coming up. So lots ahead on the show. We'll have Frank Saravalli, NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, to break everything down. Uh, look at the uh, Leafs perspective on the deadline. Look at the Ryan O'Reilly deal. Obviously, that was the big one. I can't believe it's been a week already since that trade. But the major question for me is, what else does Kyle Dubas have up his sleeve? And we'll see. And we saw the response yesterday, by the way on Thursday afternoon slash night by the Boston Bruins. How about that? Orlov and Garnet Hathaway coming over to Boston from the Washington Capitals. Granted, it cost a pretty penny, a first, a second, a third scattered over the next couple of years. And Craig Smith, who is being sparingly used anyways. And I think the best team in hockey just got even stronger. And certainly, as we know, the pathway to the Stanley Cup final in the Eastern Conference could go through, clearly, the Boston Bruins. If, in fact, the Leafs can get by, the Tampa Bay Lightning, but in general, I think you take it one game at a time. But there's no question the Bruins got better yesterday with that acquisition of Orlov. Specifically, you add him on that back end; he probably takes Derek Forbert's spot in the bottom pairing. Like to me, he's a, he's a probably a three-four guy who's going to play down the depth charts maybe a bit with the Boston Bruins five-six. But that's a that's a really really good deal and stealth deal by the Boston Bruins. I, I think nobody thought the Capitals would be sellers till like 24 hours ago. Like it came together quickly. They were scratched for trade-related reasons, and within I, th- I would say what twenty-five minutes, they were members of the Boston Bruins. So really, really stealth deal. We saw we saw Toronto make their big trade. Now we see Boston, and I think st- certainly all eyes now are on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's the most curious thing for me. And I will ask Frank Saravelli, what's up with the uh, w- with Tampa? Having said that, you ra- you you rarely get anything out of Julian Breezeball, and the same goes for Steve Eiserman with Detroit. Uh, I think it's just something they've. They've bred there for many, many years. It's very Lou Lamarillo, if you ask me, that you're not going to get much there. But uh, we'll, we'll dive into that conversation with Frank C, where Tampa's head could be at, who they could be looking at, and if the Leafs have another move up their sleeve. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. And don't forget to visit LeafsNation.com for the very latest in all things Toronto Maple Leafs. As you see on your screen right there, we are gaining steam towards the deadline in the process of migrating over to our very own YouTube page make sure to subscribe and like at the Leafs Nation, 401 on YouTube, at the Leafs Nation, 401 on YouTube. And again, if you have thom- uh, thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, drop us a line down in the uh, chat below here on YouTube, and I'll uh, get to those a bit later on in the program around the points Back Canada play of the day, and uh, after Frank Saravalli, we'll break down what you have to say. The uh, The chat was really, really lively yesterday, it is uh, lively in general, but especially this time here year with so much happening and a lot changing, On a whim, just look at last night where the Bruins deal goes down uh, around like 6.30 Eastern time and the hockey world was panicking to figure out what was going on. Then there was the whole Patrick Kane conversation. It's just a fun time of year to be a hockey fan, but for now, we're going to get over the boards. Okay, first and foremost, looking forward to tonight's slate. Uh, Another rare Friday night game uh, at Scotiabank Arena. Rosie and I attended the one against Ottawa. didn't go accordingly for the Maple Leafs. We all know what happened in that game. Matt Murray was supposed to start, and yeah, Matt Murray did not start that game. I see from the notes from the morning skate, it looks like Ilya Samsonov is going to get the call. It will be Philip Gustafson. I guess he's the 1B for Minnesota. Having said that, I think he's been playing much better than Marc-Andre Fleury the last little while. But the Wild are playing some sneaky good hockey again, and you have to, I think, right now in that Western Conference. uh, Fleury gets the shutout last night, 2-0 in Columbus. So it is a back-to-back. We did see how Toronto fared in the back-to-back the last couple weekends, namely on Sunday against Chicago, where they lost to an inferior opponent. So that's your hope. I, I think that's a big, big thing for the Leafs tonight is the start is the first period, something they were really, really successful in doing so in Buffalo back on Tuesday, taking full advantage of uh, a Buffalo team who was on a three-game California trip coming back home. I think much similar to that conversation, Toronto has Minnesota in a favorable spot tonight. The Wild played last night. They played a lot of hockey as of late. I know they've won four in a row, but um, I think there is an opportunity, obviously, in a favorable spot here for the Maple Leafs. Uh, The last meeting with Minnesota, November 25th, a 4-3 win uh, I do believe it was on Black Friday, if memory serves me correctly. It was a matinee affair against the Wild, and I do remember that that game vividly. So, the Leafs played really, really well in that one. Let's see if they can double it up. It's always a intriguing game against Minnesota because Toronto doesn't see them very, very often. So, looking forward to that one at Scotiabank Arena. As mentioned, after this one, the Leafs head out uh, west for a five-game road trip starting on Sunday in Seattle. The start times are out of whack, too, by the way. A 7 Eastern start time against Seattle coming up on Sunday. That should be a lot of fun Uh, in terms of notes as well. Toronto has scored 14 goals in three games since acquiring Ryan O'Reilly. Again, I can't believe it has been a week since that trade went down and uh, Rasmus Sandin looks like he's coming back into the lineup after missing two games with a lower body injury. So you're all caught up three hits with Rosie is not Is up next. Let's hear it. Hey Leafs fans, welcome back to Three Hits with
0: Rosie. Gonna touch on the Boston Bruins, Washington Capitals trade, obviously. Dimitri Orlov and Garnet Hathaway going to the Bruins. And everyone getting excited about the Bruins being even better right now. On paper, I mean it looks like they filled some holes, if there even is holes in the Boston Bruins right now. And it does look like they got better, and it looks like they pulled off a nice little trade. The only thing that makes me wonder is you got a team like the Boston Bruins who are having, you know, more or less a historic season. They're on pace to potentially break regular season records. And whether they fizzle out a little bit at the end or finish strong or whatever happens, they are a ridiculously, ridiculously good hockey team. And you got to think to yourself, this isn't because they've got a a Wayne Gretzky on their team or because their goaltender's standing on its head and winning them games outright every single night. They are spreading their success out through their entire roster. And that, to me, says nothing but just chemistry. Cam, cam, cam. These guys are flying. Whatever's going on in that locker room, I would love to be a part of it. I bet you they're having the greatest season. I bet you those guys are so tight. I bet you they know a lot about each other. And All of a sudden, you take two of those puzzle pieces out and you shove in two pieces who weren't there for any of those wins, who weren't there for any of that building success, who weren't there for any of the systems, who don't really know how they came to that spot. And now they're just going to pick off and automatically the team's better. And hockey doesn't always work that way. It's a very, very momentum and chemistry driven sport. It's not like a tennis or a golf where it's just very singular. You can look at the numbers and this is what this is. And I do worry a little bit about them throwing off the balance of power and and the way things operate in that locker room. Through any fault of their own? Of course not. But funny things happen and I'm curious to see if this Boston Bruins team has actually gotten better because that's ridiculously hard to even fathom at this point in time. Number two, we got the Leafs playing tonight. They got Minnesota in town. I'm sorry to say it's just every game from now on out is you want two points. It's it's kind of like most seasons are. I think we've gone through little periods of uh, whatever, what doesn't matter. I mean, we know it's only about the playoffs that matters and this, that, the other thing. Well, now we're kind of there. We know who we're playing in the playoffs, basically. But now it's a fight for home ice, and you want those first two games at home, and you want that game seven at home. So from here on out, every point is going to be – i think a battle because i don't think tampa is going to be backing down coming down the stretch they have too much experience number three my esteemed colleague the number one chair as he likes to call it the host of this show loves to rag on me lately about my grammar apparently he went to some fancy grammatical broadcasting journalism school paid and bought for by his dad i'm sure but likes to pick apart my tweets where they don't have the right apostrophe or some nerdy bullshit. Uh, in the right spots, and to me, Twitter is just—it's not about writing a novel and having your X's and O's in place. It's about what comes to mind. Get it out there the way you would say it or the way you would think it, and that's how I post it. Plus, they don't have fricking autocorrect on this thing, which I realize makes it a little bit more difficult, and I gotta analyze before I press send. But our friend Nick here, who likes to chirp off, actually sent this tweet at some point in recent history. I'm going to read it out. Bear with me. It doesn't really sound like English. Could only where Buffalo would be had Matt Murray not nixed a trade there last summer. Send. Tweet. He, He put that down and pressed the button. Never can you chirp me again about a tweet. Never can you chirp me about grammar. This doesn't even sound like English, let alone a grammatically correct sentence, Mr. Nick. I think you need to brush through your notes from college. Could only where Buffalo would be had Matt Murray not nixed a trade there last summer. (laughs) Ha ha! Never will you talk about my (laughs) tweets again. Case closed. Back to you, Big Tuna. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: God bless that man. I knew it was coming. He called me last night. He he asked me, hey, what should I talk about in three hits with Rosie? And uh, he's like, watch out for something. And I said, here we go. But uh, that's duly noted. Yes, I did uh, did mess up royally on my tweet yesterday. I was not gunned when writing that tweet, by the way. I just couldn't get it out. I need the edit function on social media, but uh, credit to Rosie for coming in hot. He'll be back on Monday with another edition of Three Hits with Rosie before returning to the big show coming up on Tuesday. But for now, we're going to turn our focus to NHL insider from Daily Faceoff. It is Frank Saravalli. What's going on, Frank? How are you, bud? Hey, Nick. I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I know you've been trending on social for the last week, just breaking trades left and right. Uh, What can you say about social media and what you've learned over time?
2: I don't think that's why it was trending was for the breaking news. I think it was for <laughs> angering Leafs nation. Uh, and look, I get it. Um, I guess when you're asked for a, a take, and and here's I think the thing that uh, it didn't bother me, but it, it it annoyed me when you read the reaction on social media is the lack of reading comprehension. Here was my point with the player profile that we did earlier last week on Ryan O'Reilly before the trade went down was, yes, I still believe that O'Reilly is a quintessential deadline piece that can help a team get over the hump. But I also think it's possible that you overpay for that player. And when you look at the return that the Flyers got for Claude Giroux last year, I had pegged in that story as you know, the sort of ideal type of, of ceiling that I thought the Blues could get for O'Reilly. And instead, what they got was way north of that. And you could say, well, they also added in Nolachari, And my argument would be, well, Nola Chari doesn't really solve any significant needs for the Leafs. He just sort of fills a void, right? He, he's just there. Um, there wasn't like a positional need to go out and get him. So I, I I get where the criticism is. My only point is that based on the way Ryan O'Reilly had played to this season prior to the trade, he did not seem to be on a path to warrant the type of return that the Toronto Maple Leafs paid.
1: So let me ask you this. I know we're three games through, but as your opinion started to change maybe a bit, like I know we're in, the proof's not going to be in, in the pudding until the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But as your opinion, your stance changed maybe a bit from when the trade went down?
2: no i mean look I, I don't care if he scores 60 goals between now and april 14th the only thing that's going to matter is what do the toronto maple Leafs do in the playoffs and and that's really what's made these regular seasons so meaningless for the leafs is as long as you get in it doesn't really matter the position that you're in if your team is good which the Leafs have been for the last number of years racking up 100 points plus if you don't have anything to show for it at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And here's the other part and point that I would make is there's been lots of talk, Nick, in recent days of what would the Leafs need to do in order for this trade to be successful. And people have said, well, you gotta re-sign him. He can't just be a rental. And personally, I don't see an avenue for that, Nick, because if you re-sign Ryan O'Reilly, provided that he's not taking a one-year, one million dollar deal, which I, I don't think he's at that stage in his career, and I think the talks that he was having with the St. Louis Blues indicate that he doesn't believe he's there either, you, then if you're going to keep him, then you got to say goodbye to Michael Bunting. Like there's no, there's no extra room to go around here to be able to afford another $5 million player or $4.5 million player, depending on the term. And so then the other part of it is, well, then the Leafs need to win a round. And if the bar is set only for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win one round. Everyone's lost the plot. That's not what this is about. Okay, so you finished in the top eight in the league. Great. Who cares? You have a generational talent in Austin Matthews. You've surrounded him with very expensive superstar players. If you aren't advancing and being a legitimate threat to win the Stanley Cup, it's not the NHL's playoff system that's broken. It's your roster construction.
1: I couldn't agree more, and I always bring this up. People bitch and complain about, oh, we should go back to the old school playoffs. It would still be Tampa and Toronto in the first round. Like That's what I don't understand about people complaining about that, and I think every team deals with this. You're so bang on in that assessment because, obviously, I live in this market, and every day they're talking about those 18 years since this team has won a playoff round when I think they're losing sight of the big picture, and that's the Stanley Cup. It's not just one round. So I ask you this question. They pull off the big move uh, last Friday with the St. Louis Blues What else does Kyle Dubas have up his sleeve here?
2: Well, I think they're in the market for a defenseman to try and add one. I think the big question is how are they able to go about doing it? And I think there's two paths salary cap wise. One I think is much less likely than the other. The the less likely option would be to stash Matt Murray on LTIR basically have him come back for the playoffs, send him to the Toronto Marlies with two weeks left in the regular season for a conditioning stint, and then bring him back for the playoffs. And if you're not doing that and you're choosing to activate him beforehand, well, then you can't really go out and trade for someone unless you plan on removing a piece from your roster. And Kyle Dubas talked to over the weekend on Saturday about the idea and importance of not trading a player from your roster. So I don't know which one it's going to be. I think the Leafs are playing with fire if they wait until that long with Murray to then try and get him right in case you end up needing him in the playoffs, which is always a possibility as we've seen in recent years, that I think they're trending towards trading a player from their roster, whether it's Kerfoot, whether it's Engvall, whether it's Justin Hall. The Hall one doesn't really make any sense to me because... If you're trying to improve your back end, then you've also just weakened your depth at the same exact time. Um, it, It looks to me like, you know, Alex Kerfoot with where his salary cap hit is at, with where he's currently stationed on the Leafs lineup, that that would seem to make a lot of sense to me in terms of a piece that they might be willing to trade in order to make something happen.
1: So how creative can they get? Uh, obviously, you mentioned some names that could be on their way out, but uh, who, who are the type of names they could be targeting? Would it be sort of upgrades on what they already have and say, the five, six slots, or can they get a guy who's a legit top four here?
2: I mean, I, I think with the way the market is shaping up right now, um, there's the possibility that they could could trade for one of those guys that's a top four guy. It depends on who you like and who you value in terms of their skill set and their game. I don't think Chikrin is really a strong fit. Um, you know, I wonder about someone like Gavrikov just because of the general nature of uh, what the previous transactions that Kyle Dubas has made in his playbook. Thinking back to Ilya Labushkin and some others, you know, Gavrikov isn't as stout of a defender as those guys were, but um, would certainly kind of fit that mold. The problem is then the asset and acquisition cost, like. Are you willing to pay up the first round pick plus a third in order to make it happen? And I guess if you're going to go all in with Riley uh, with Ryan O'Reilly, excuse me, poor, poor Leafs guy, like you have to say, Riley and O'Reilly in the same show sometimes. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, that I would think that someone like him, like sh- if, if the price is falling, which I've envisioned that it kind of would be the whole time, would the Leafs be in on a guy like Gavrikov?
1: Yeah, it really feels like a buyer's market right now. So we see on Thursday night, the big move, the Boston Bruins get Orlov and Hathaway. Uh, what are your thoughts on that move by the Bees? And also on top of that, because obviously we're in the Atlantic division and Toronto is going to take on Tampa. Are you hearing anything? Because I know the Lightning don't give out much into what they're thinking, but are you, 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 you don't want any you know tangible targets for that team?
2: Yeah, I put out a list of them the other day and I think they're sort of lower cost, lower price acquisitions that could be curated for Tampa. Um, that you know, think along the lines of some of the guys that the Chicago Blackhawks are dangling, and if you consider um, Brandon Hagel and the addition that they made with him last year, really seem to make sense. A guy that can contribute now that has term on a cheap cap hit moving forward. So, a couple of the guys that we threw out were Jake McCabe on the back end with the Blackhawks being willing to eat. Uh, $2 million, Sam Lafferty up front. But then, if you find Lafferty to be too expensive, you maybe pivot to a guy like Noah Greger, who has a lot of the same skill set in San Jose and would certainly cost a lot less for Tampa. With Boston, uh, I like the move. um, And this has also gotten me some criticism from Lee fans in my mention saying, well, how come you like this trade as opposed to the other one? And I'll give you a string of reasons as to why. For one, when you consider the price, The fact that Boston was also able to move off of Craig Smith is a really important part of the equation and business. The Toronto Maple Leafs paid first, second, third, and fourth, and did not remove anyone from their salary cap equation. So that's one. Two, I think Dmitry Orlov, difficult to compare positions, but the season that Dmitri Orlov has had this year is on a significantly better level than the one that Ryan O'Reilly was having with the St. Louis Blues, an instant top four defenseman that you plug into your lineup and probably also a pure rental. And the other part of this business that I thought was really shrewd was the Hathaway acquisition. So when you look at Hathaway, I think he's an extremely underrated player. If you've been following my work and what I've been writing, I've been saying for the last week since we started talking about the Caps potentially being a seller, that Hathaway is an under-the-radar addition for a team that brings so many different elements that's going to be a very important part of what the Boston Bruins are able to accomplish in the playoffs if they go on a deep run. And the fact that Boston could put Hathaway on their fourth line, potentially, is such a big win for this Boston team. So they got stronger on the back end, stronger up front, hit multiple positions as opposed to what we were just talking about with the difference between O'Reilly and Achari. And they get someone to take Craig Smith off of their hands. I just think when you look at the relative price paid in order for Boston to do it, although similar, that they net more for their team in return.
1: It's almost like Boston comboed the Chari pickup with the Garnett Hathaway pickup. We love those shift disturbers on this show. I know you're pressed for time. Uh, last question, if you had to put a percentage, what's the likelihood the Leafs make a move between now and 3 Eastern next Friday?
2: uh like 70%, 75%. So
1: it, I'd be surprised if they addition. end up
2: not making an addition based on where they're at and based on the assets that they've already spent. I mean, what if you can monitor the market and find something nice to help your back end then that'd be a pretty smart way to go about it.
1: And on top of that, it is a buyer's market formulating. And I think, uh, you know, a good strategy, a bold strategy, too, would be patience as a virtue, as we all know. Uh, Frank, appreciate your time today. Thanks, this.
2: Thanks, Nick. Yeah, and to continue the conversation, I'm just curious. We didn't even get to it. Like, what happens with the Leafs and their goaltending? Like, I've been confident in Ilya Samsonov all year. I, I said before the season started that he would be the guy that starts game one of the playoffs for this team. I just, do you need another goalie? How do you feel about it? And that's kind of the thing that stands out to me when comparing the Leafs to the lightning, to the Bruins. Then eventually, if you're looking third round to the Canes defense and goaltending, those three teams get the edge over the Leafs every single time.
1: Ultimately, they set themselves up for this when they got Matt Murray, when they got Samson off, right? So they're going to have to live and die with this, right?
2: Mm-hmm. There you go.
1: Thanks, Frank. See you, Nick. There you have it. Frank Saravalli, one of the best in the business, uh, the NHL insider I like to call him. And he's our very own from daily face off. And uh, don't forget as well, you've been teeing it up all week. Daily face off live trade deadline edition coming up next Friday, starting at noon Eastern time goes all the way to four Eastern time. I'll be on that show. Rosie will be on that show. Mike McKenna, uh, of course, Frank Saravalli and the insider cam. I can't wait to see what that feature is. And, uh, uh, Pete Blackburn, in front of the program as well, will be uh, with us, as well as Talia Truck hosting uh, the festivities. It's going to be a lot of fun. Could only wonder what I'm going to do if there's no trade. So I'm hoping there's tons of trades so we can converse and talk about that. But looking forward to that noon Eastern time to 4 Eastern time next Friday. It's the Trade Deadline Special, a courtesy a daily face-off. But for now, the wrap-up is brought to you by our friends at PointSpec Canada. I won't lie, folks, I have massive, massive shoes to fill. The red-hot Jay Rosehill gave not one, but two plays yesterday that hit. He had the Dougie Hamilton assist. That was a secondary play. It hit. And then he had the Charlie McAvoy play anytime assist that hit late in the game. A crazy, crazy game between the Bees and the Seattle Kraken. So we're trying to go five and five, or five for five collectively this week. Rosehill's been on fire. I think he's seven straight uh, betting plays in a row, so... Uh, Tail him for sure. Uh, So, tonight, uh, we're looking at this Maple Leafs game. Obviously, the Leafs in the Minnesota Wild. I'm going to look at a guy who's been really, really quiet. And his name, Austin Matthews, if you can believe it. Hasn't done much since they picked up Ryan O'Reilly. He's goalless in three straight. One goal in his last five outings. It's Austin Matthews. That's all I need to say. Minus 120, anytime goal. I'm all over that tonight because, quite frankly, he's been way too quiet. And, quite frankly, this guy, for my money, is still the best goal scorer on the planet. So I like an Austin Matthews anytime goal. And again, he's been very, very quiet uh, lately. So I like that play quite a bit. That is my points bet Canada play of the day. For now, we're going to hit the chat. It's on fire. Um, Matt writes in, does the Boston move for Stubis' hand and he makes another move? I could see that. Like we talked about teams being reactionary the last couple weeks. I looked at Tampa. I don't think Tampa quite frankly cares, although I don't know what the hell that was last night. Uh, Tampa and the Buffalo Sabres, Vasilevsky couldn't make a save. Your boy, Ilya Labushkin with a breakaway in OT. I, I, I can confidently say that's never happened in his career from minor hockey to junior hockey to wherever he's played to get a breakaway in OT and score on the best goaltender on the planet. Uh, talk about irony right there. That was pretty, pretty crazy stuff by Ilya Labushkin. But Buffalo's feeling good about life right now, even though they got smoked by the Leafs on Tuesday. So yeah, that is a big time question because uh, Boston's made their move now. What does Tampa do? You know the Lightning are going to do something. They got Nick Paul last year. Um, you know they got Hagel from the Chicago Blackhawks. They always seem to pick up that guy that puts them potentially over the top. So looking forward to that. Uh, Sean writes in: Are there any members of the Marlies the Leafs can move? Yeah, there's going to be prospects. You know, like Alex, Steve, Bobby McMahon, who they they brought up a couple weeks ago. But Steve's comes to mind. I think he could potentially be involved in a move and. And that's the curious part for me. It's one thing to say, hey, they're going after a defenseman. Who are they going to give up? They traded their first. They traded, you know, a second, a third, a fourth. Like, you might as well not even show up to the drafts the next couple years. And uh, this year's drafts, of course, in Music City coming up in June. But, again, I I do appreciate the all-in approach. Having said that, you look at the Florida Panthers, my goodness. They have nothing to spend at this year's deadline. And they're fighting for their playoff lives right now. Not to th- Not to say the Leafs are going to be in that. Uh, you know perspective coming up next year at this time and I do uh, like the semblance of going all in to a degree and if you can add a defenseman at a price that makes sense I think you'd do it and uh, I, I really think like it's a buyer's market so ultimately I would be patient we all thought Gavrikov is going to Boston and they flip and go to Orlov so I think the Leafs uh, and Gavrikov could make a lot of sense but not for a first plus which it sounds like is happening right now so I'm just reading the rest of the chat. Sean writes in uh, just anxious to see how the Leafs counterattack the move the Bruins made yesterday. I I think you're living in a crazy world if if you think Kyle Dubas is reactionary to what Boston's doing. Um, I think everybody stays in their own lane. I think you have to worry about one game at a time. And I think the Leafs in general feel pretty damn good about their roster. I don't think you can react to what the bees have done. Sean also writes in, I would love JVR and Luke Shen. I don't know where you're getting this cap space from, my friend. Uh, That would be a perfect world, but the Leafs just have no cap space and they sort of hinted last week they wouldn't prefer to trade somebody off their roster. So that's the curious part for me. It's ultimately unlikely it's going to be Matthew Nye. So I don't know where you're finding these assets to make these trades. But uh, nonetheless, it should be really, really, really intriguing. Stang Swung, rates in. Dubas is dealing with Chicago or Arizona or Vancouver. I'll hold you to that. Lambnot rates in. Ekholm. So there's a lot of names out there. Uh, I'm just curious to see as to A, the market, and B, Do the Leafs have what it takes to get a deal done? But that's the curious part for me as we get closer to deadline week next week. Be back on Monday. By the way, Ken confirmed Nick Kiprios will drop by on Tuesday for some trade deadline talk, courtesy Sportsnet and Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan. Talk about that. Talk about his career maybe a bit as a Leaf and deadline time in general for a player. I want to ask Rosie about that next week as well. But uh, nonetheless, it is a fascinating, unique time of year. And we're going to jump on that for sure, folks. But the Leafs taking on Minnesota tonight then uh, hit the road for five in a row. So uh, this team could look a lot different still between now and, say, next Friday, the trade deadline. But uh, we're anticipating one more move. What's it going to be? Sit tight for that. Again, for now, subscribe to the Leafs Nation 401 on YouTube at the Leafs Nation 401. Leafs Morning Take wherever you listen to us on Spotify, uh, Google, wherever you check us out. Make sure to subscribe and like, but at the Leafs Nation 401. For now, I'm going to say goodbye. Again, many thanks to Jay Rosehill for dropping by. That was an elite, elite spot. Three hits with Rose, even taking a shot at me, using an entire hit, one of his three hits, to just rip on yours truly, which I appreciate. Producer Alex did a bang-up job as per usual this week and on today's show. And, of course, Frank Saravali from uh, Daily Faceoff, NHL insider extraordinaire for giving us the very latest on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But for now, i uh, bid you farewell. Have a great weekend. Have a great Friday and enjoy the game against the Wild. Take care.